it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey, baby. Welcome to the On the Way to New Work podcast. And uh, what I have to say is, we're sitting in New York. That's why it's in English. It's the New York tapes. Michael is just taking a picture of what is that actually? A squirrel. A squirrel. How do you call it? Because we're sitting outside in Washington Square, and uh, we have uh, a good friend and also a listener of the podcast, Karl Brockmeier, with us. President and General Manager for Leibold in North America. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So um, this is our third day in New York. And our first podcast in the park. Exactly. We did it outside because it's a very spontaneous podcast. We just had breakfast for other reasons. And uh, then we spontaneously decided we do a podcast. And Carl said, yes. So we are very, very lucky to do that. So um, you're originally from Germany. We that's do it correct. in English because it's the New York tapes and your people are obviously here. So yes. that's how they could follow it. And we like them to hear it. So give us a bit of background, who you are, what you do. You're quite young for what you do. So there is a lot to tell. So uh, yeah, give us the background. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for, for, for having me. It's uh, quite the pleasure and honor to be here. Uh, you know, as a, I've, been, I've been a follower of your podcast for quite a while now and um, um, Uh, it's been an honor to be, to, to be amongst the other speakers here. Uh, so my name's Carl. Uh, I'm actually uh, 33 years old. Um, moved to the U.S. now uh, roughly a year ago. Um, and um, while that is quite an adventure in itself, I remember speaking to, to our team a few weeks ago and saying, you know, it still feels like a honeymoon uh, to be here despite, you know, a year having passed now. Um, so uh, as you said, yes, I'm, I'm leading the... The, the business of Leibold uh, um, here in North America. Uh, Leibold is um, actually the oldest um, vacuum pump manufacturer in the world and uh, originally a German-based uh, German company, so, but we have now factories uh, worldwide. And since the end of 2016, we belong to the Swedish uh, stock-listed um, Atlas Copco Group. Um, actually, I started my career in, um, uh, in, the, in the Swiss, in the Swiss um, Industrial Group Erlikon in 2007 and went through different stages there um, until we decided to sell uh, that Leibold vacuum business from Erlikon to Atlas Copco in, uh, in 2016. And maybe for people who don't know that, it, it sounds like an industrial business, but like every iPhone in the pocket has your technology built in. The Ray-Ban glasses you wear, so Hyperloop, there is a lot of stuff. It's, it's literally everywhere. So while, while um, um, you know, we, we can talk about specific brands um, uh, you know, for advertisement reasons, uh, obviously everybody wants to market themselves right, with, right, right. with some of the big ones, but um, it's, it's, it's literally everywhere. Is it every sunglass that is coded uh, you know, for anti-reflection coding, it's coded in a vacuum? Is it your, you know, your bags of chips, uh, which is literally a plastic bag, but then inside you have some metallic coating to keep the sunlight out uh, for the decay? Or then the packaging itself, you want the oxygen or the humidity out of the chips bag uh, replaced with another gas that's done under vacuum uh, so your, your chips uh, stay crispier for a longer time, the same way your sausages are packaged in a vacuum at your butcher's. But if you want to do space research and you know, some of the largest space companies, if you want to build, test a satellite on Earth before you shoot it into space, you have to do that in a vacuum chamber under space-like conditions. So that's the other far extreme of, 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 of a well, near-perfect vacuum. Um, and that can be created using our technology. So it's a very broad 
uh, you know, field of application. And uh, we, we at times even call ourselves, you know, king of the niches because there's so many small niches and, and fields that we're playing in. And that makes it truly exciting. Um, um, yeah. Maybe we, we, we could go back to your path because you're young, but you, you, you skipped it to a very short episode here. So when we talked um, before, you, you told us that you were CFO in China. So how That's did true. this happen? <laughs> um, so that was, that was part of the old, um, uh, so of, of, of the former group, um, EarlyCon, that I worked for. And um, I was working actually for five years in a, in a textile division, and it was actually also a place I actually didn't, didn't want to end up when, because I was, um, when I joined EarlyCon in 2007, I was part of a, of, a, of a management trainee program. So we had 12 trainees throughout the year, and uh, it was kind of, a, you know, kind of a talent program. And the, the beauty of that program was we had the opportunity, we had exposure to senior management and therefore exposure to, to projects in different divisions all around the world. And um, my first project there was within the space division, Zurich. But then it was time for the next project and, and, and the group HR came up and said, so where do you want to go next? And I said, uh, literally any business division except textile. It just didn't sound very appealing because we had surface coating technologies, we had the vacuum technology, we had, we had so many other industries that I've just found more appealing. And I said, and anywhere but Germany. And then they came up with a project and said, well, we have a project for you that's Germany and textile. I said, no, no, sorry, that's exactly what I didn't want to do. And I said, just be fair. It's hard to get these projects. Just go and listen to the man. <laughs> and so we met halfway. Um, and I met with the, with the former CFO of that company and we met and he told me about the project and the opportunities that it was and, and I immediately accepted uh, uh, the offer, which was great. And then uh, how it came is, uh, well, I stuck around for actually five years, uh, climbed the, the, the ladder and the ranks there with really exciting projects. Took me around the world a bit, you know, quite a few regular trips to India and China and got exposure to, to other parts of the business. And, um, and then one day a call came from within the group from another division uh, where they were looking for a new CFO for um, their China and Taiwan operations. And uh, they had offered me uh, that job and I gladly accepted. So. And you, but you now hear like what, what, what I was so interested in when you said that earlier and we probably will jump around a little bit. Sure. But, um, but um, you moved here with your family. Correct. With your kids, with your wife. Yes. And uh, you live in Pittsburgh. And you actually did a pitch for Pix Pittsburgh because <laughs> you said, like, do you guys actually know Pittsburgh? I'm like, no, it's industrial town. I probably don't know it, but uh, you really you know love the it. Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. Well, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the Penguins, you know, the Stanley Cup winners last year. Um, well, Pittsburgh is, um, it is true. So we, I've been there now for a year, my, 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 my wife and kids, um, so my family now for, for roughly a half a year. Um, it's not an easy sell because it's obviously not at the, at the top of your mind uh, city when you think about the U.S. Um, so I remember when I told my wife, you know, listen, I got the job in the U.S. Uh, that I applied for. And um, um, it's in the U.S. and everybody says, great, but it's in Pittsburgh. Oh, um, <laughs> where's Pittsburgh again? And it's, it's, again, it's not your obvious choice of city potentially. But uh, now having been there for a year and... Um, I find myself talking and actually upselling Pittsburgh all the time because it's actually a, a really great city that has a great quality of life and has a lot to offer all across the bands. You know, you always have a city that sticks out for, I don't know, it has a great sports team or it has great culture or it has good industries or good works. Pittsburgh literally has it all. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, 
It's very good cost and quality of life, uh, very good you know, medical uh, resources with the universities that you have there. It's among the top 10 ranking um, hospitals and medical networks in the US. Uh, obviously, as we just said, there's two great um, you know, top sports teams there. There's the arts and the culture, Pittsburgh Symphony, and um, great universities, but a lot of corporate headquarters, a lot of German corporates uh, that have the headquarters there, you know, Covestral, Lanxess, Bayer, uh, but also large um, uh, US corporations that are based there. And, and, and we are based there and have actually been there since the 60s. So all across the band, um, of, of, of uh, and, and categories, um, um, Pittsburgh is a great city. Yeah? And, and you, the people who work for, your, uh, for you work for you for a very long time, you yes. said that they're much longer there than you are, obviously, but uh, I can imagine that's quite a challenge because there is this traditional company, there are long-lasting people, you have all these new work approaches, we talked about that a lot during breakfast, so you're 34 so that's that's quite a range of challenges to face but what you said and what you mentioned is it, it sounds like a very good way how you do it how you manage it and at the same time you don't have all the answers like what is the state of where you are with the company right now can you paint a picture oh, of course um well, I don't consider it my job to, to have all the answers, and even if it would be, I, I, I couldn't do it. You know? So obviously, I don't, I don't have the experience of uh, you know, being, having, having been a general manager for, for the last 10 years, nor being the best vacuum expert or, or knowing it all about the U.S. And I, quite, I feel quite comfortable in that role because it's, uh, I have a very strong team around me, um, all experts in their fields, and it's that team approach that, that really makes us strong and that differs us. But Addressing what you just said with the, you know, with the, with the long tenure of some of our uh, you know, employees and team members, um, this is what's truly exciting, I think, about our business. And I think it's potentially even quite common, in, 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 even in our industry and, 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 and in similar industries. Yes, we have people who work uh, you know, in our service shop for, for 40 years. We have uh, people on the leadership team who have been there for 30 plus years. And, and you have those across all hierarchies in the company. And for me, that just... It tells me one thing, there's, there's really a great passion for the brand, uh, but also for the industries that we play in, the technologies that we produce. And that makes it um, really easy for me because there's just so much, there's a wealth of knowledge, combined knowledge, but again, passion and, 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 and spirit for, for what we do. And uh, that makes my job just so much more inspiring, but also easy um, in, in doing what we're trying to achieve here. How do you take them along when it comes to the new approaches? Um, and I know you're really deep into like new technologies, tools for collaboration. You use that a lot, leverage a lot, you experiment a lot. For example, you told us that you use Facebook Workplace mm -hmm. for the company. Um, yeah, maybe he, you tell yeah. us this story because it's sure. so nice how you implemented this um, and how, how your people yeah. react to this. You, you mentioned the one of your employees, uh, which was yeah, really... Yeah, it's, 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 it was an experiment, uh, to be quite frank. Um, it's, um, again, my strengths aren't the industry, nor, nor the technology, nor you know, the, 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 the many years of leadership experience. It's, but it's certainly trying out new things that, that can help us better. So one of my passions there is you know, con communication and collaboration. So how can we become more efficient? How can we grow closer together as a team? You know, the US and, and North America is a very big region where people are spread around. And, um, and they don't get to they don't get to come together as often 
as we may be with them uh, to be. So how do you, how do you overcome these challenges? Those are questions that I like to ask. And um, when I um, uh, joined last year, it was, it was imminent that the tools that we had at, in place, email and telephone, et cetera, and, and just the airplane literally to, yeah. to get together, wasn't always the most efficient for everything that we need to do. And when I came across Workplace, um, which is a different story to tell. Um, I said, this is, this is exactly what we needed. It was an experiment, I actually uh, took a risk, but luckily it, 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 it panned out, because uh, all of that it is, they took, the, took the, um, the people that we had, roughly 100, set it up myself, you know, didn't need the, the help of IT or anybody else, and just signed up for it, and uh, presented it as a surprise in one of the first all-hands meetings that, that I held, and said, listen, there's a new way, let's try it together. And uh, yes, there was skepticism, but we did a few uh, lunch and learns. Uh, we had a few pizza lunches where we just explained to people what it is, but the adoption rate was, uh, was so good and actually so quick because the, um, so many people already had used Facebook in their private lives. And what it is, for, for, for those who haven't worked with it, it's a closed environment, it's just within us, with the company. We reflected the entire organization in the org chart with the different uh, departments in there and it just became a self-runner that didn't need a lot of guidance. And to the story that you just referred to, we had, um, this really helped us to break down silos because we have, again, people on the west coast of the US who are so far away yeah. who never knew what is going on inside the headquarters and vice versa. So we had people who worked, so this one lady who worked in our, um, you know, in, a, in an accounts receivable part, who knew all the customer names, who knew all the, the you know, the customer codes and the numbers, but never had any contact with, uh, you know, what are they the doing customers themselves. Right what are they yeah. actually doing? Where are our products applied? And then we had a group which we called the Power of Vacuum, where I had asked every uh, sales manager out to take pictures of the factories and, 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 and the applications that we go to, to post them, to share them, and, and I remember this lady came to our office one day, to my office, and she stood there always with tears in her eyes saying, I've been here for, you know, 20 years. I never knew, I knew all these customer names, but I never knew and had any idea about all these exciting applications that we're playing with. And, um, and that just really showed me we're onto something here. And it's actually really helping. This is where a tool is actually helping to to bring us closer together. I think that's what you're describing, this transparency that new work is kind of like bringing to the table, which is fueled by technology, but also by culture is very important. And transparency sounds super easy to establish, <laughs> but it's actually super hard, yes. A, like to really live it and get it, and then B, to have people react in the right way to it. And you mentioned that um, the Swedish um, mother of, of your company, they have a very open and very transparent culture. Yes. Could, you, could you give a glimpse into that? Because I think sure. it's very important. So yes, Atlas Copco is a, is a, is a Swedish uh, corporation and therefore I think it's a very, you know, one of the key, the, the key business model of Atlas Copco is sustainable, profitable uh, uh, growth. And, and in that specific order. You know, when you're here in the US, you always talk about growth, growth, growth first, and then we figure out how to make it profitable and then maybe let's talk about sustainability as well. No, so as a Swedish corporation and as Atlas Copco, it's always the other way around. Let's make it stable and sustainable first. Then we figure out how to make it profitable and, mm -hmm. and then, then we grow it. And, and that, has to, that speaks a lot for the culture as well. Um, how we want, because we, want to, we, we are here in the long, for the long term and not for the quick profits and revenues for next year. We want a stable environment also for our teams and, and, and for our culture. That, that is 
respecting each other, um, that is respecting the environment, that is safe for our people to work in, it's still an industrial, you know, um, uh, um, it's still an industrial uh, business with heavy applications where we're moving heavy goods, where accidents can potentially happen. Mm. And, um, and we don't want that. We want people who... who we want people to return safe to their families in the evenings the same way they came to the office and workplace in the morning. And, and it's that that really makes and, and, and fosters our culture. It's, it's aiming to be very transparent, very direct, very flat in hierarchies. Um, so as such, I report directly to the board um, of directors. Uh, so it's a very of how many people in the, in the whole group? That's um, so the, the total group is approximately a $14 billion um, corporation. It's quite a yes. fairly large corporation, and exactly. you report directly. That's well, I'm, I'm a little bit of an exception, probably, because the U.S. is a very large um, you know, region mm -hmm. and, 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 yeah, but still, and, and market here. But usually, and if, it's not, if it's not directly, then, it's, then there's maybe an mm -hmm. additional layer in between. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it's a very flat hierarchy for the decision-making, for the entrepreneurial style, but also very decentralized management style of the group. And... Um, Part of that strong culture is, for example, the example I mentioned before is that um, more than 80% of our people and all the open jobs are actually filled from talent from within the group. And while we have such a spread of different brands, you know, more than 25 different compressor brands, now close to 10 different brands in the vacuum industry, um, who all bring their own cultures and history to the group, we foster a very strong group and atlascopical culture and the way we do things um, through that open and very transparent job market, for example. Yeah. Mm. You, maybe you repeat this story when you, when you were meeting one of these guys. Uh, first thing he told you, well... Exactly. Uh, yeah, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember. When, so when we were acquired and when we sold our, the libel business to Atlas Copco, uh, first managers came in and said, hi, my name is uh, this and that. And... Uh, I'm here because I applied for this job. So that's part of the language. And, uh, and that's actually the same way I presented myself to the, to the team in the US. I'm here because I applied and, and I got the job. So actually, all the jobs uh, um, within the group, except the group CEO who's appointed by the board, uh, are posted transparently online. And everybody who feels suitable, who brings the right traits to the, to the table, is, is, is welcome and invited to, to apply for the job. Uh is there, uh, you have a, uh, sorry, Michael. Yeah. It sounds to me that, that, that uh, post-merger integration with a company like this is much more easy because the culture seems to be more open or what, what, what challenges do you have still to face? Um, I, I can't say easy or diff it's different. Mm -hmm. yeah? um, I think it's, it's not easier uh, per se because uh, could we have been half a year faster if we had you know, this army of consultants coming in and just laying out all the processes for you and, and doing it for you? Maybe. Uh, so it's certainly, I, I don't think it was easier because a lot of the things we had to sort out ourselves because we didn't have that army of consultants in, uh, but it's more sustainable. And that goes back again to the creative Atlas Copco because we work it out as a team uh, within that set of boundaries or within that culture that Atlas Copco brings to the table is we work it out as a team. And that makes it lasting because when you have a solution, it's because we made it, not somebody else from the outside told you this is how it has to run. Because we worked it out together as a team. And that, 
again, I think makes it lasting and sustainable. What do you, let's, let's jump to you as a person because you're a very energetic person, but at the same time, you f it feels like you're very authentic and, and you're calm within yourself. What do you do for yourself in order to like manage that? I mean, like you're very young in that role. Um, do you have routines? How do you do with the family? Like, how do you do it yourself? Do you have routines? How you start into the day? Yes, and they change every day. <laughs> <laughs> so your routine. I have is a daily routine, and uh, it changes every day. <laughs> I love that. Uh, well, I think that's um, that's driven by different different factors. Sometimes you have to catch the early plane, yeah. And yeah. so, as much as you want to go running in the morning, which I actually like, you can't do it every morning because sometimes you just have that that plane to catch, um, or that early meeting, or sometimes because we are also in a different time zone and have to interact with with Europe, or sometimes even China or some of the other factories overseas. You have that early 6 a.m. call, yeah. Um, so that routine is. Um, But still, but then instead of, well, if I, if I can't make the run in the morning, then I figure out how can I do it maybe in the evening, yeah, or, or in a break in between. So it's not that, it's not driven by the daily hours, but it's by things that I want to achieve. And I say I want to do five to six runs a week, for example. Something that I was uh, super bad at in 2017, which was a big year of change for us. You know, we moved cross continents. It was a new job. We had a, actually a baby last July. So it's all of these things. And then, you know, still have to move the, the, the house and the goods. Last year, I think I did less than, less than five times I worked out in the entire year 2017. Whereas in 2016, I was super fit, you know, five, six times. This year, I'm trying to get back on track because um, obviously jobs like these take a certain um, toll on you. So yes, sports are important and I try to incorporate that into my routine. Other than that, um, um, I try to spend the mornings, you know, if I, if I can and if time allows, uh, at home with the kids. Uh, because sometimes I just don't manage to see them in the evenings. So that I leave ho the house quite late, so between 8 and 9 usually which uh, brings me to the office sometimes only between 9 and 10. Uh, but I have enjoyed an hour of, of, of both kids in the morning and therefore you know, rather stay longer in the evenings and, 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 and work longer when, when there's no more, when, when Germany's sleeping already and, mm -hmm. and doesn't give you those calls anymore. Um, um, How do you do with technology? Like, um, it sounds like you... I'm mobile driven entirely. Yeah. So I try to do as much as I can from, the, from my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been paperless since the first iPad um, when that came out and actually didn't buy it. I, I won it. I've never won anything in my life. And then I received this call. You have won an iPad. And, um, <laughs> this is and I said, no, this, is, this must be scam. <laughs> this must be spam. And I said, no, sorry, I don't want to buy anything. I've got so no, no. many mails. All, <laughs> all we want your is your address so we can send it to you. But I never, I don't even participate. I haven't participated <laughs> in any survey or any, any game. No, but... Uh, You downloaded this from my website here and there, and um, and by that you entered into that into that into that <laughs> contest. And I, said, I wasn't even aware of that. I don't want anything. No, literally, we just want your address so we can send you that iPad. <laughs> All right, here's the address, <laughs> and uh, and and there it was, and I and I loved it. And uh, but I started writing on it, which was actually quite a challenge because you, you, it was it was great to write on it, to take your notes on it, but then you couldn't share them that easily. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I just faster now typing. Than, than, than handwriting, because this, uh, this makes it more shareable. It's across all the devices. I can copy-paste stuff, into notes into an email, and, and, and forward them. So and it's much more polite than a laptop. Mobile. If you have a laptop, yes. it's always you're, you're not in the game. If you type into your iPad, I think it's 
Yeah, and I find myself now in meetings yeah. when I'm taking notes, then, you know, you just make a, make a kind uh, reminder. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not working in parallel. I'm taking notes uh, instead of the notebook. But, uh, you know, some of the plays, uh, some of the, maybe some, even some of the industries that we play in uh, are also quite conservative. So sometimes it's good to have that, that, that paper or booklet there, mm. but I just don't. So this is when I really say, I'll do this to take notes and, um, and, and you just speak about it. And point are it you out. always on or do you, do you yes. concentrate on, on, if you are concentrating on other things, you skip I, I read Deep Work and, and I like it, but it's just very hard to implement, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm honest. Um, um, I buy into all the theory and I do see the impacts and I do see how I am distracted, but I am luckily... I think it depends also on the, on the on the preferences of the style and maybe also the kind of work that you have to do. Um, a lot of my work is decision making, where quick interaction is important to keep the business running. So it's just, hey, how about this? And it's like, yeah, go ahead, or approved, or mm. here's a, you know here's a new hire. Can you approve on the salary? And so a lot of that is the quick interaction, and I like that. Um, But there, I think that's, there's two things that drive me there is, yes, I'm always on and, and, and I read my emails and I try to respond you know, as fast as I can because I don't want to be the bottleneck for the business. But the same way, and I think the other impact that's driving me is I, wanna, I want to empower our team as much as I can so that I don't have to be the bottleneck on the business. So whenever I see they come, I, I go back, well, don't even ask me, just do it. There's other things, of course, I have to be asked and I have to be involved. But so we're trying to find and figure out that, um, and that's that's still something that we're trying to also learn now, as you know, me being new in that team, and and the new team that we have formed in the last year, to figure out that sweet spot and yeah. where do I have to be involved and where can we empower the team as much as possible to keep the business running and driving. Are there any? I li I love that point because I truly believe decision making is one of the key things and it's also like training a muscle to make decisions at yes. the same level enabling people to make the decision in a way that it's good for the company yeah. and uh, well i know you're always on we're our main channel is whatsapp and yes. i usually reach you right away even if it's across the globe but um how do you help your team to make autonomous decisions when you're not there like is there anything you learned from your previous jobs um, maybe management style, something you did to help them, hey, this is how I do it. Um, well, I think one important remark there, I always tell the team it doesn't matter where I am. Because um, whether, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like today in New York or in Germany or, or elsewhere, it shouldn't matter because the business has to keep running. The same way half of our salespeople are, you know, ideally in front of the customer and not hidden away somewhere yeah. and the business has to keep running. So it, it shouldn't matter where I am. And because the team knows how to reach me. And this is where, well, maybe communication tool is important. I say, well, um, I have certain preferences for communication. So I say, um, well, if you can't reach me, just send me a quick text instead of an email, maybe because you know, we're all trying to reduce our emails. Uh, I'm faster to respond on that text, use these channels, and I'm quicker to reply. Uh, so we're trying to, you know, to establish that kind of communication. Um, and I mean, another thing that I think that is important to talk about is what are the authorities or the rules of engagement, what is the procura and in, in, in decision-making level. So um, do I even have to be involved in that decision, you know, uh, or can somebody else take it? Uh, or can they autonomously take it because there are certain levels within, they can, which, within which they can decide? And that was actually a big problem when I came because we were still, our decision-making in the U.S. at least was still impacted 
highly by the recession of 2009-10, uh, where our approval limits were so low that literally, and I'm going to talk about numbers here, but we almost had to go, for every decision, we had to go back to, to the former headquarters. And that just really slowed us down or just, you know, stopped certain investments. And, and this was lifted entirely. So we have, you know, I think we can take 99% uh, of all our decisions, we can take autonomously here within the region, within our team. And that really helps, you know, speed up uh, the way we do things and, 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 and to run our business. Maybe we come back to, to your company, your products. You, you, you told us that you are involved in very innovative stuff like Microsoft HoloLens, Hyperloop. Maybe you, you tell our listeners a little bit about your hottest <laughs> topics within your business. Wow, um, sure. Um, this can be a very long talk. Oh, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. Um, We're young, we can wait. Um, there, there's literally, it's, it's, I think it's, it's difficult even To, to know where to start, because if it's that next jet engine uh, from Airbus that needs um, you know, very refined and specialized metals for the for the rotor blades that are done by GE, for example, uh, those those blades are cured and 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 heat treated under vacuum using our technology, for example. And again, and space research is uh, just as exciting uh, when you're launching, you know new rockets and also new satellites into space. Uh, when you're testing maybe a new satellite engine and thruster under space-like conditions, I, I find that personally very exciting. But sometimes it's not the, it's, sometimes it can be the application, sometimes it's the, um, also the way how to apply it. For example, so you, you mentioned the Hyperloop, the, the, the vacuum challenge in itself isn't very difficult because ideally you're only pumping air not a very harsh chemical gas, it's not a very harsh temperature, um, it's not like an outer space uh, vacuum condition, so it's not that low of a pressure. So in theory, in a, in a lab environment, that's a, the simplest vacuum experiment that you can do. And, but and here the we did it years before with, with uh, this, uh, what we call Rohrpost. Yes, exactly. It's the same, no? Uh, similar, I think there it was using compressed air, so it was pushing it, and, um, and here we're trying to create a vacuum. But, um, The challenge here is more the physical one. How do you build it at scale? So it's not, it's not an optimization problem. It's not a realization problem, as it's I like to say. Problem, it's, yeah. a, it's more of an optimization problem. How can you build the technology such that it's not just good in a lab environment or on one kilometer or one mile, but that it can work on 100 miles or 1,000 miles of length? So that's more you know, pushing it to the physical limits, do we need bigger pumps? Uh, so we know how to create the vacuum in there by just simply throwing more pumps at it. But is that still a sustainable business model? And so that's a whole different challenge uh, with itself that I find very exciting. But from a vacuum point of view, it's not that difficult to achieve. Um, the same way, you know, most of the universities here in the US and, and around the globe uh, use our technology to develop new materials or to drive you know, basic fundamental research like um, Like when you have particle accelerators where you're trying to research the, the, the creation of, of, of Mother Earth uh, that is done in CERN and, mm. and, and Switzerland that uses you know, uh, our vacuum technology. And most, there's plenty of universities here in the US that, use, that have particle accelerators like that to uh, research new energy sources. So, and, and, um, or for example, the Nobel Prize that was um, given to a consortium of universities and research centers last year, um, Nobel Prize for Physics. Um, was done to, to um, again, a consortium of, of universities that discovered the gravitational waves that, you know, proved uh, Einstein's theory, uh, uh, I, right. I, so, I, I, and I they the use vacuum technology in there. So, uh, 
it's really what excites you, um, and I'll have the right application for you, per se. Because if you find food packaging in the string, I think there's a yeah. lot of interesting things, and also in the food arena, uh, you know, how our foods, uh, for example, are freeze-dried. You know, if you have your Kellogg Special K and you have those dried uh, uh, strawberries in there, they're, they're freeze-dried under vacuum. And if you find that in the string, you know, it's just, you find, um, uh, it, it doesn't matter where you look. It's mm. so many exciting technologies. Mm. So, um, so what will drive your technologies, your products in the future? Is it robotics? Is it AI? What, what are the key drivers for your, for your products? Um, I think R&D is a big growth sector for us, uh, certainly. But it's also, and again, I think it, there's regional differences. So for example, if you look at, again, at the US, I think I'm a fan of heavy industry. So if you look at uh, you know, all the steel and, and metallurgy and, 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 and heat treatment plants that you have here in the US, there's a lot of need for modernization, for example. So that is just catching up with the past or catching up with today, uh, where our technology now, where, where the, the, the vacuum physics haven't changed, but just our technology is so much more efficient compared to the installed bases that by just simply upgrading, you can achieve up to 25% more output with the same factory setup that you already have. Or, you know, up to 50, maybe even 60% energy savings with the same setup. So those are also things that really inspire us where we just, our technology becomes more efficient or enables our customers to be more efficient. And that is something that is literally, that, that is uh, driving us as well. Um, but then again, every year there's a new application. Now quantum computing is big, and there's no quantum computing without vacuum, because you want that, those quantum computers in an, in an, inside a vacuum for the simple reason, because you want to keep gravitational waves, you want to keep the impacts of thermal radiation out of the system, because it's so fragile in itself that you have to do it under vacuum. So we're working together now with different you know, um, um, R&D labs in the field of quantum computing uh, to enable them and to enable their research. Wow, it's <laughs> yeah, big topics and uh, I love that quote, there's no quantum computing without vacuum. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite For a now, you know, maybe, maybe uh, we'll figure out a way down the road uh, because obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a burden or maybe a bottleneck yeah. for their research, but today is just the way it has to be done. And there are people behind that doing it. It's what I'm always fascinating back again and again. It's these fundamental technologies that we don't exactly. see that are maybe not obvious to us, but in the background there's something happening and people make it possible. So it always comes down to like, how good are your people in like delivering that new stuff, change and build that. So I'm, I'm very, very impressed by that. How do you I'm impressed about the way you, you talk about uh, your products, about mm. your customers. You seem to be someone who's really interested in, in almost any topic. So, so how do, do you get your inspiration? Where do you get it from? It was exactly the same question <laughs> yeah. I was about to ask. We're doing this since oh, wow. more than one year now. Well, to be quite frank, um, I, I have a passion for technology. Yeah? Um, I think I would Do you have, have a background in technology? No, I, I, I studied business and, and economics. Um, so nothing material, uh, math, which was good and, and exciting. Uh, but I always had a passion for technology, something that's tangible. So I, I remember a lot of my peers from university, they went to you know, consultancies and, and banks and insurance companies and, and, and to that field. And that never really tempted me. So I always knew I wanted to work for an industrial corporation or an industrial setup. Uh, maybe that was driven by internships that I did before, but it had to be something material. And um, 
and I told you the story about that textile business before, I came and looked, and when I saw what they actually do and what kind of high tech they do, because we all wear clothes today, and it's still, you know, as long as you know, humans want to run around dressed, and as long as that isn't disrupted somehow, we all have a need for, for clothing. And, but your seat belts are done with textiles as well, and your airbags, uh, or carpets, or your, even your car tires. So it's also, again, something that is everywhere and was very easy for me to identify with and have a, develop a passion for it. And I think in, in vacuum, it's just, again, so much easier because of all these exciting fields that we play in, something that I find very easy to identify with and to develop a passion for. So that somewhat comes natural. It's very tangible. It's very you know, state-of-the-art. And uh, from my personal role, um, there's just, you know, nothing's perfect. And we're far away from, from being perfect. So there's just so many fields. And that's why also we are talking um, on the side, you know, how can we work together and maybe collaborate together? Because there's just so many fields that we can still become better at and more efficient at, which again develops a passion in me because there's something that we can do better. And, and I think that's what's, what's driving. Because I, I, I can have an impact there and, and, and make a difference. How do you learn? Do you read? Do you watch movies? Or what's the way you learn? Um, I think it's very purpose-based. Um, I told you a story before where um, I was always very young in my roles, yes. And maybe, you know, 10 years ahead of uh, when maybe I should have had them. Uh, which means uh, I never had the experience to prove for, um, for the jobs. Which means, in the end, ultimately, I had, to, I had to learn. I was forced to learn. So I was over and over again thrown into the cold water where I just simply had to learn to swim and how to, how to cope with it. And often, for the longest time, I was thinking I need to compensate with, with knowledge and, and build that knowledge. So it was a lot of self-learning. Uh, yes, was it books driven? Was it courses driven? Was it online driven? Um, um, you know, just to, you know, when, when I was in my first finance roles, uh, no matter if you've studied it a few years ago, so what is this again and how does that accounting principle work again? Uh, you had to research it all the time. And um, um, so it was very purpose-driven. Um, and the same way now, I remember almost, I think there's one book, for example, that I always went to. Now, for the last three job changes, I always took out the same book, the first 90 days. Mm. Um, that actually always helped me. So when I moved to China, I, I actually read it twice. And then now when I moved back to the next job in, in, in Germany, I read it again. Now moving here again, because it always helped me to just revisit how do you make your first 90-day plan and what is actually that you have to focus at and what are the do's and don'ts? What, what, what do you want to make sure you want to get right? Because it's just so easy to be thrown. If you, if you change jobs like me every two to three years, uh, which it has been so far, um, you're so quickly immersed in the new challenges that even though you had a 90-day plan, you might have had that throughout your application process, uh, it just gets thrown overboard so fast that some structure helps you to, to revisit what, what your actual priorities were or the ones that you agreed on and, and set on, the conversations that you wanted to have and revisit those. So that's actually something that helped me. But again, it was purpose-driven because I knew I was in that role, so I revisit that. Um, when I'm building, and this is how I met Christoph uh, actually two years ago because I was working on, a, on, a, on an e-commerce business model and on a, on a digital business model um, uh, that we have kicked off since, actually, um, you know, I, I looked to the network or I, I visited, that was a time actually when I visited a lot of different conferences in the digital field, in the e-commerce field, and this is how we got introduced to each other. So again, a purpose-driven uh, inspiration or help. And now again, I find myself in a situation you know, where I have new challenges. It's okay, where do you take what are the right sources for that? 
and uh, so I'm seeking those out very, you know, I can't tell you, it's, I, I, I read the same magazine every week, I don't, uh, or the same books, um, uh, and sometimes it's a book that has helped me, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's your podcast, for example, that have helped me in certain situations, and because uh, again, I don't have the knowledge to prove for it, so I have to gather it elsewhere. And it's, I mean, very that's a cool very, very yeah. modern approach, very cool, I love that answer, because actually this is, this shows what, what Michael is always quoting um, with the salad example from YouTube, like how to wash a salad. And, and yeah. we have all the information, we just pull it, and um, the, the younger generations actually, they rather search for it and look at a video and then know how to do it. I mean, that's, that's a big advantage we have these days. So I love that, I love that answer as well. Yeah, another tool that I'm, I just, I brought a coach in for us last year. Um, and that was following actually in, in, in another book uh, that I also read last year when I, I picked up again when I, when I, when I uh, got that new role last year, which is The, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which mm. is also a favorite of oh, mine. Yeah. And I read it twice last year because I was, I was in that challenging situation of having to build a new team, uh, also a new structure. And um, while it's easy to read the book and then, you know, have yeah, all it's, the theory. It's a nice because it's, it's a story, no? It's, exactly. It's, yeah. it's not a yeah. That's what I like about a lot of the U.S. written books. You know, it's usually... Those, those, those kind of business and advisory books are more storytelling rather than just here's my PhD mm. uh, book document that I've written, very technical, etc. and here's the theory just behind it. No, it's nicely packaged and it's easy to understand. And it was, it's, an easy, it's almost like a working tool uh, to work with. So again, I, I picked it up twice last year because it was in that situation of you know, having to put a team together. And while most of them had been there, at least in the industry, for a long time and knew each other, uh, we weren't there. We weren't at that highest level of, of, of trust and, and yeah. you know, a functional yeah, team. Trust, the way trust a is the first thing you, 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 yeah. And I remember taking, so this is again where, where, where did I get help? Not just from the book itself, because even though I had read it, I couldn't do it myself. I got an external uh, coach, in coach. Mm -hmm. who uh, we still now keep working with because we also said that's not a process or a kind of a project that has a beginning and end. No, it's an ongoing thing. So we did it for, we had three sessions last year which was difficult in the beginning because um, it really shook us up and, and rattled the cages a little. But it, it helped us to grow together as a team. And the end of the year, or actually the beginning of this year, when we did the planning for this year, we said, um, so, um, no, it was the end of last year when the people said, it's good that we did this. In the beginning we were, we didn't know, but now we see the impact of it. That was the feedback from the team. And in the beginning of this year, when we did then the planning for, for the, you know, when do we want to get together again, and what interfaces, uh, intervals do we want to get together this year as a, as a leadership team, said, so are we doing uh, Nancy again? That's the name of our coach. Are we doing Nancy again? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we all said, yes, we want to. And we want to continue working on us as a team. Because again, we, there's always a better way. And there's always the next level of, of, of growing together and becoming even more efficient or more communicative. And, uh, and, and we do that, and we continue you know, to, 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 to work on us. And that's just one other example where, and also bringing somebody else in from the outside allowed me to not be the moderator of it, but immerse as part of the team and become you know, also an integral part of the team. So if you would look at our org chart, for example, for our leadership team, it's not like, here's my box and my name and underneath all the rest of the team. No, we have, so the way we communicate our, our organizational chart is, this is the leadership team level, and it's the six of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there is an extended team and the department heads. So it's not like one above the other. It's a very flat hierarchy, and it's us as a team and not uh, cool. just that. 
Thank you. That was uh, amazing. It was an amazing ride. We, we do more podcasts at the park. Definitely Could be a special series. <laughs> Very definitely. Now, now the sun is burning on my uh, on my hair. <laughs> and the squirrels. So it's not burning. They haven't, they haven't scared away the squirrels. <laughs> I don't know. No, that was uh, that was amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you for having me. And we will see us in Pittsburgh. Promise. You're all warmly invited. It's worth a trip. I mean it. It's all about the journey. It's all about the journey.